Welcome to Minted Dialogue, episode number 67. This interview is with Krista Madden, founder of Handpick Media, an agency that represents bloggers and vloggers from a wide array of areas, including fashion, beauty, parenting, food, and travel. Handpick Media specializes in arranging custom-made relationships between brands and these bloggers, which combined have over 39 million page views. Come and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to quick. Enjoy the show. So, Krista, tell us who you are and what are you up to? <laughs> Hi, I am um, founder of Handpick Media. We are a collective of the best digital talent that's in the UK at the moment, which means we represent bloggers and independent sites that don't have their own sales team, which means we can monetize and help them connect with brands and work on campaigns um, that help monetize their sites. All right, brilliant. Uh, so you you got all these uh, bloggers uh, that you have handpicked around in the UK market. Tell us um, what kind of categories they are blogging about. So I set up beauty and fashion because that's my background. Um, they were the first bloggers that I started to approach. And then I looked at uh, what, what people read. People never just read about one topic. And in fact, I looked at the Sunday Times uh, style magazine and thought there's home, there's film, there's lifestyle. So actually we're beauty, fashion, male and female lifestyle, film, food, entertainment and culture and parenting. Krista, how did you get into this? Because you've been you've been running your own business now for a couple of twenty years. <laughs> how did how did how did it all come about? I first actually I studied photography and film and wanted to be a photographer, and then ended up repping photographers and hair and makeup and stylists. So I worked in the fashion, beauty, and entertainment industry for a, a long time. Um, so I've been an agent for people, and I guess actually I'm still now an agent for bloggers in some form or another. Now, um, having the access to all the information that I did through working with my makeup artist on shoots and on film, we I then started a website just for a bit of fun, Beauty in the Dirt, 13 years ago. So that was an outlet to make my brain work and to just communicate, and I was really interested in digital and the internet back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found that um, people wanted to work with me because I was an independent. I could write what I wanted, and brands weren't really constricted to have magazine advertising that was just a page. They could have me write something about them with my own voice. At that time, there were sites like Urban Junkies, Holy Moly, and Pop Bitch. We were the kind of only independents that you could work with. So I knew brands wanted to connect with an independent voice. And I started to look around. Four years ago, actually, I set up Handpick Media. I looked at other sites that I really liked. I could see they had no sales house. I could see nobody was monetizing. There was very few ads on there. So I actually just cold called people and said, I'm handpicking sites that I think go really well together. Before I'd thought of calling it Handpick Media. Mm-hmm. And I found myself saying handpicking, handpicking. Mm-hmm. So I thought that's what I'll call it. And everybody was up for it. It was a kind of a win-win because I thought collectively, if I can put really good numbers together, we can still approach ad agencies and have your ad campaign for you. But what we can also do, which is more interesting, is offer you a really bespoke way of talking about your brand across 10 different sites in 10 different ways that has integrity, that doesn't turn off readers because it's an advertorial that a brand has written. It's coming from the voice of a site that a reader is really connected to. So um, that's how I started it, really. 
really by just thinking I'm going to approach brands and give them a really different way of being able to work with sites. When I listen to you, it sounds like you also work with agencies or is it, are you essentially working with brands? We work with ad agencies, PR companies, marketing companies, brands direct. It really comes from everyone, actually. That's great. All right, so hand-picked. Yes. Uh, you, you have 650, something like this? Uh... We have a main collective, which are at the sites that are larger, and there's about 250 in there. Um, and they are sites that have to reach a certain level of traffic and write up a certain level of content each week. And we make sure that their traffic stays high. They have really good social platforms. They work on Pinterest and Instagram. So mm-hmm. we can offer a, a really all-round um, level of service to a brand. But we also have a community. So the community is about sort of 350, 400 strong. Mm-hmm. We just were turning away too many sites. Too many people wanted to join us. And I didn't want them to go somewhere else because then I'm just giving someone else more sites. So we also didn't want to dilute the offering of the main collective so we called it a community so the community of the younger bloggers that um, do just flip over into the collective once the traffic gets higher and we give them you know we help them we write newsletters for them we help them with their traffic we help them with SEO we put on workshops and we do include them in some campaigns when we can but we're kind of helping them getting on the rung right. really of that blogging world that's fascinating and I assume then in order for a blogger to get in mm-hmm. they have to have total transparency in all their traffic how do how exactly does that work? Is there sometimes a little bit of NDA needed and how do you work? Yeah, we have to have access to Google Analytics for the bloggers, but we always make that really clear that we're not passing on that information to a client. We actually avoid as much as we can giving individual stats of each blogger to a brand unless they're working on something on their own as a brand ambassador or if they're a really big publisher. Because the idea of Handpicked is you've joined us so that you can collectively be part of working with other like-minded sites and therefore you become a strength in numbers. So it's not about you trying to do something on your own. It's about working with collectively. So we really try and avoid putting a, a blogger on the spot by giving the real traffic because we will give real traffic to brands. That's the where we differ. We don't lie about traffic no. because we want to actually have the, the reach that you're getting for what money you're spending. But when you talk about real traffic, you're going to do you know, a group of 10. Yeah. This is exactly we'll the traffic. The, the 10, 20, 30 bloggers that you're working with on this campaign will collectively reach this amount of monthly uniques, this amount of page impressions. And when you are looking and handpicking your bloggers outside of the, um, the the numbers that we're talking about, some London traffic on yeah. the background for us, uh, do you also, in your portfolio, pay attention to how many are video, image, text-based? Or, or is that sort of just... What, what kind of qualities are you looking for in, in, in your bloggers? We It's not just about the traffic. It has to be good content because, obviously, so many bloggers now are just guilty of copying and pasting a press release on their site and... That's just no point in that anyway. Google will punish you for that. They'll come down on you. Yes, they will. Um, So it's it's quality of content. And we also look for people that are really interesting that we can um, work with. Maybe more, we have a kind of a talent group. Mm -hmm. So there's people that have got a huge audience on on YouTube that maybe their blog isn't even that popular, but their YouTube audience is huge. And connecting with the YouTube um, the, you know, the bloggers really is such, so powerful. The turnaround is massive. And so we work with people that have got video uh, profile, blogging, street style photographers. Um, you know, it's never just that one thing. We want to be able to go to a client and say, with these 10 different people, you can do 10 different things. Mm-hmm. And that's always, I think, where we come in and sit really separately from anyone else. Uh, this is sort of, uh, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it just it's tickled my mind as you spoke about Google. Uh, have you had any instances where bloggers have been uh, sandboxed 
And I, I can imagine that, you know, that's something out of your control, but does that ever come around? There's the whole no-follow links and there's, you know, being punished for text links. But actually, Google are going after the brands. They're not going after the individual bloggers. I think bloggers get scared by anything they read um, that suddenly makes them look like they might lose all their SEO ranking. Um, but actually, it's... it's the, I mean, Google are not the police anyway. It's not law. They just right. don't want you to... Uh, yeah, they're trying to get you to... The they're place. trying to get you to go to their marketplace. They don't want you to trade without them. Right. So really, the text link um, punishing that they're doing is... Um, um, it's aimed towards the brands that, uh, and the bloggers. So far, you know, as long as you're writing really good original content and you're not just doing all those awful posts, uh, then then it's fine. No one's really experienced it because we do go for um, bloggers that write good content. Uh, and, and that's what you have to do. You have to write original content. All right, so, Krista, when, um, let's talk about a case where you've worked with a brand um, what, that you can tell us about. Okay. What you like. Sorry. Um, the the case that we did recently that we've uh, had a lot of fun with that I think is quite different is uh, we worked with Nivea and they had an, a new deodorant which is um, you smell differently when you sweat if you're stressed if you're exercising or just general body odor. So there's like good stress and bad stress. Yeah, exactly. So um, so this new deodorant came out and so they wanted to challenge bloggers to uh, to be stressed and the usual thing is to always you know make people exercise but actually that's not stressful exercising shouldn't be stressful. So it's the wrong category. So we came up with the idea of getting one of our food bloggers, who actually is a, a great British bake-off contestant. People in the UK will know who that is. And we got her to make a cake recipe that was really quite challenging. And we put this out to our female lifestyle bloggers. And it was a five-hour recipe that was really stressful. But the posts were fantastic because you had these really long pieces of content. They're making their cake. Everyone's chatting on Twitter using the Nivea hashtag and using the the conversation really mostly about oh my god I'm so stressed but you know stressed and Nivea was in all those tweets and uh, the blog posts themselves were so much more than if you'd ask someone to write about deodorant and go yeah it smells nice it's okay it looks like this and Nivea were over the moon because they had fantastic pieces of content on all these sites and it worked really well did you, I'm, I'm fascinated, did, did Nivea and you look at the crossover between food and deodorant buyers? Or was there a, an evaluation of the, um, of the overlap? No, actually, it was my idea to come up with a food blogger to set a challenge. And they just liked the idea that it was something they'd never done before. And it totally was uh, just something just different mm -hmm. for them. Um, but actually, you know, people that make food wear deodorant, so they should still be buying it as well. Absolutely right. <laughs> So, Krista, um, before you talked about the categories that you, with whom you work and your bloggers, how they're organized, you didn't mention luxury. I work with a lot of luxury brands. Should they be using your services and, uh, and how should they be working it? Yeah, we do represent a lot of bloggers that work in the luxury market. Um, obviously, when you're a blogger and you're invited to a fantastic Jimmy Choo event or there's a luxury brand that you absolutely adore and aspire to, um, you're most likely going to write about that in an editorial way. So therefore, the brand doesn't need to pay for any kind of advertising. But then, then there's always a kind of fairly blurred line with once this relationship of editorial and PR um, is cemented, the, the brands then start wanting you to take part in campaigns with them for free because they think, they have a great relationship with you so why not 
But actually, that is a campaign. They're asking you to promote something for them. They're asking you to, you know, help them build up their Facebook followers. They're asking you to do a Twitter competition for them. This, to me, is a campaign. It's not editorial. The bloggers then feel really compromised because they think, oh, if I don't do it, then I won't be on the guest list anymore. I won't get tickets to the fashion show anymore. I know brands that do that and that only give tickets to fashion shows to bloggers that give them free editorial. Um, So I think that it puts both people in a really compromised state, whereas if there was a really clean line between this is the editorial event that we're asking you to do, write about it if you like it, these are the things we're sending you, Um, but what we're doing now is a campaign, we want to add impressions, we want you to write sponsored posts, we want you to actually help us promote that we've got an offer on, we're doing a collaboration with another designer, we need loads of content up at this time so that when people search for it on Google, we're there. So there's lots of reasons that you should actually put some budget into doing some promotion, but still keeping the editorial relationships. Yeah, and I can imagine when we're talking luxury, a... I'm not sure necessarily there are, perhaps there are, but luxury bloggers per se, maybe people are speaking about food in a luxurious way. When you when you pick people to work on luxury, do you have criteria, i.e. the resolution of photographs, the, the layout of the blog, or do you actually have only people who only speak about luxury? How does that work? Brands will look at blogs and see which other brands they're talking about, so they only want to be on a page if they're already talking about a brand that they think is in the same level uh, as them. So um, there, there are a couple of brands that, a couple of blogs that we have that do call themselves luxury blogs. But actually, mostly what it comes down to is the personal taste of the blogger and if they like right. high end or high street. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's a certain amount of cheaper things written on that blog, a luxury brand doesn't want to be on there. They don't want to be there in an editorial sense or in an advertising sense. So they don't get even invited to a, a, an event if they're writing that cheap things. So um, I think mostly it's not really about having a luxury blog. It's about the brands wanting to aspire to be connected to your blog because yeah you're you are deemed to be an influential person within that environment can you tell us about a case of a luxury company you worked with yeah this is actually um it's not it's not fashion or beauty but uh, it worked really well and it was a tiny budget it's a luxury holiday uh, travel company and of course they couldn't afford to send people out to all their luxury holidays because mm. mostly people only want to write about things they've experienced themselves so we suggested that um the luxury holiday destinations within those environments they gave us a really specific ingredient that you could only get at that destination or in in that country and our bloggers had to make something so they were sent something really unusual from this country or from a resort and we had chicken's feet we had all kinds of things and the challenge again we like to give them a challenge was to make something but again there were the messaging of like which country it's from and what was lovely about the resort and then you had this fantastic you know, I made this at home, but God, I'd love to have done it over there. And, you know, this is why I'd like to go to this place. So that we've done that actually five times for that holiday company. It's a tiny budget, but it works so well each time. And it, again, it was really different content they'd never seen before that, you know, they kept coming back to, for people to do it again. What I like about that case and the Nivea case you mentioned before is the sort of creativity about the brief, how you mix it in with the company and the bloggers and then the, the people rising to the challenge. That, that's that's what we like to do. That's where we feel like we've got a unique offering is that we really want to try and turn it into like a fun challenge, an idea, something that the bloggers will actually want to write about and something that the brands will definitely get something out of that they, they can't get anywhere else. So when, you, when you're working with a brand, assuming I'm a brand manager, what advice would you tell me about making the work with you 
go go well? How okay. how can you uh, s- organize me? Should we say? Okay. Well, first, I think it's finding out what you want, the, what the objectives are. Have you worked with independent writers before? Um, is it something that you're happy to go with and let them have the integrity of writing in their own voice? Because no, I, last time I screwed up. <laughs> you have to be comfortable with that. But mostly, we want to turn what you have as a product into something that can be written about in a more interesting way. Mm-hmm. And looking at editorial calendars, um, my background is quite editorial, and uh, Debbie, who I work with, has come from publishing in an editorial space as well. So therefore we're not always trying to look at something with a big advertising message that you know just feels like Big Brother Uh, we really want to make it feel like it's part of your everyday you want it you need it and your friend would like to use it and tell you how you know how they like it so it's looking at things in a really editorial way and trying to make it a story that's fun and trying to make our bloggers want to write about it because nowadays we're given the challenges to write about back in the day we were given really lovely products to write about but now bloggers write about those just for a free thing so we have things like deodorant Mm-hmm. Um, we have home insurance. Uh, we have lip balms. Things that bloggers don't want to write about. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of food products because food clients always expect that it's food bloggers want to write about them. But actually, food bloggers want to write about fantastic, gorgeous Michelin-star restaurants and mm-hmm. food that is really hard to find. They don't want to write about a cooking sauce. Right. So, so imagine. Uh, so I'm, I'm your brand manager, but my boss, yeah. you know, he or, or she, perhaps. Um, it wants to make sure the message is always on message. Uh, how do you manage that kind of, I would imagine, regular uh, fear? Well, uh, we have to arrange with the client. What, what is your messaging? So is there a sign-up to a newsletter? Do you want someone to link through to like something on your Facebook page? Is it to get a coupon? Is it to go in-store and pick up something? So there are always going to be key messages that have to be included in the post. So with certain links, okay, exactly. And so they have to go in regardless. That's part of the bloggers being paid for this. So they're taking on something as a paid piece of content in their site. So the messages are in the brief to them. If you want to take part in this campaign, this has to go on there. Everything else is in your own words, but this has to go in. So the client does get exactly what they want, but they also get free written content. Mm-hmm. Not free, they're paying for it. But they get free-handed right. um, written content. A real opinion, which therefore should actually convert to their readers thinking, you actually like this. Our bloggers only take on sponsored content that they like for the brand. We always only recruit people that say yes or no. That's something I'll write about. The brand might give me a set of bloggers they want to write, uh, want to include, but ultimately the bloggers are going to say yes or no. So we have bloggers turn away stuff all the time. They're not just saying, yes, money, money, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Yeah. It doesn't work it like that. It doesn't fit with their readership and they're yeah. like, no, I don't want to. And so we only want to absolutely have people that can write really good, nice things about you. Because ultimately, I think so many brands are scared that bloggers are going to write bad things. And we have had instances where there's been reviews and a blogger said, actually, this just hasn't worked for me. And again, we're a kind of a buffer because if a brand was talking to a blogger direct without us in the middle, they run the risk of the blogger just writing bad things about them. And what will happen is that a blogger will come to us and say, not getting on with it, what should we do? We'll go to this, the client and say, it's not working out, should we replace that person or take them off the campaign? Mm-hmm. So again, there's a safety net of knowing that you're not going to have 
have a blogger just run off and say bad things and tweet bad things about you. And I think that's where we come in as a sort of a very safe environment for brands to work with blogs. Do you, so every time uh, you have one of these, you have to have a, a separate contract with each blogger? Yeah. And they have to opt in and then... The... Yeah, we have a contract with them which says we, we do advertising ad formats, so we do display advertising. So at the beginning, we you know we take, talk through what we do with them. Do you want to do sponsored posts? Do you want to take ad, advertising? Um, and it's it's pretty loose. It's a page. It, it's I think gentlemen's agreements are actually best contracts with everyone because if something's not working out, why do you want someone in your team? Because... Yeah, it's sort of like the principle of earned media. If, if there's a notion of trust, and if you have to contractualize everything and have lawyers involved, where's the trust? Well, you're dealing with individuals. You're dealing with sort of you know sometimes quite young people um, who would be quite intimidated by a big long contract. And actually, what does that contract get you? I, I always go back to if something isn't working out on either side, then you're best not to stay in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because neither side is going to give their best. So we always have, you know, please honour if you've got ad formats on our site um, that you've agreed to be because we have given those impressions to a client. But if it's not working out, then there's always one in, one out with us. There's lots of people that want to join. Yeah. We look after our publishers really well and we have a you know a good reputation in the blogging space. Is exclusivity involved? Yeah, it's exclusive to be with us because we can't take your site if someone else is taking your site to somewhere else. So we do ask them to be exclusive. That's brilliant. Well, uh, Krista, um, anyone interested in uh, reaching you, following you, getting in touch, what's the best way? You can find us at handpickmedia.co.uk. We're on Twitter at handpickmedia. And I'm on Twitter with my own site. Uh, my site is beautyandthedirt.com. So you can find me there too. Brilliant. Krista, thanks for coming on the show. Look forward to following you and uh, staying in touch with you. It's been uh, fascinating to hear from you about this. Thank you very much. Great to see you. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Internet Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please rate it in iTunes, and don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or to tweet it out. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.